Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation and the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report as a podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at your go-to podcast platform. After a contentious debate over how the impeachment trial should proceed, Democrats make their case to the Senate. Supporters of the tax referendum proclaim victory, while opponents urge caution as signatures are verified. And with the session just days away, legislators gear up to consider a record number of bills. Good evening, and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Des Barker, president of Des Barker Associates, Inc., Nicole Nixon, political reporter with KUER, and Dan McKay, Utah State Senator. Thank you all for joining us another big week in politics. I want to talk about one local issue that's really got big uh, just yesterday, in fact. Senator McKay, let's talk about this referendum. We've been talking about on the show a little bit, the organizers of this marched on the Hill. They gave their 150,000 signatures. How did they get it? And did you expect them to get those signatures when they did? Um, I was among the doubters when they filed the referendum, but it's interesting you said this just got big yesterday. I, I think, honestly, the tax reform debate has been going on, right, for the last year, and the consternation about the tax reform uh, has been going on as well, right? So uh, the fact that they're, you know, the signatures are in, they're being counted, uh, we're seeing a record uh, efficacy of the signature gathering, so it's like 94% was their validation rate, which is mind-blowing for anybody who's ever tried to collect signatures for a, a, a referendum or anything else. Um, so I, I didn't think they'd get the signatures. I really didn't, but I will tell you, there are two things that dramatically change this in the referendum gatherer's favor. One, social media, this is the first referendum attempted since really the invention of social media. The last one required millions of dollars and lots of organization. This one, the last report I saw was under $40,000. And social media really helped with organization. And it was helping, but they really were pushed over the threshold when, you know, Harmons and Associated Foods, uh, who are, you know, valuable partners in the community, decided to open their doors and let them be there. Uh -huh. Nicole, to talk about um, what was what was driving people to, to do the signature, because it, it's true. It was a big push here at the very end. What were some of the key issues uh, that people were really upset about that got them to sign the form? Yeah, I think that there were a lot of things in the bill that people didn't like. Um, the food tax was the biggest one. What? People really did not <laughs> like the legislature <laughs> raising the sales tax on food. Had heard that. And that drove people out who have never been politically involved before, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, they, and then especially when Harmons came out against the tax reform and against this, the food tax, people knew that they could go to Harmons to add their name to help get the referendum on the ballot. Um, other than that, people didn't like that the bill cut the income tax, which is a, a cut to education funding. They didn't like um, new taxes on new services, and they didn't like um, an increased gas tax, which people thought would just raise uh, 
you know, food prices even more, raise prices on things across the board. And then also people didn't like the way the legislature passed this in a special session right before the Christmas holidays. Um, people were still feeling upset about, about the legislature changing the ballot initiative for medical marijuana, the ballot initiative for Medicaid expansion. And this seemed like the last straw for a lot of people. Uh, so interesting. I want to get into a couple of those points. Uh, Des, I'm, I wonder if you saw this coming because you sat through every one of the hearings, right? Or li and the, in the meeting or listened I, to them? Uh, yeah, I, I, I attended the majority of the task force, ta task force hearings around the state um, and then up at the Capitol. Um, I, yeah, I think we saw it building. I don't think anyone saw quite the social media um, kind of it, it initiative uh, kickback, the timing of it. I don't think people really thought that there would be an initiative that be, would be able to pull that off. But um, yeah, there was a lot of misunderstanding and, and it's confusing, right? It, this is not a simple explanation by anybody on how to move from, from, from uh, tax reform in one area and a tax cut in one area and explain why it's a tax increase on the other side and have everybody do the calculus in their head and say, oh yeah, I understand all of that. Uh -huh. So it was oversimplified and I think really the major driver was food tax, right? Everybody understood what that meant going into mm -hmm. a grocery store and have mm -hmm. some real um, sensitivities towards those that are that are the least among us. Yeah. Well, the, the food tax hits lower income people hardest and I think people really struggled to understand and just didn't like that they would be paying more taxes up front on groceries and then getting a rebate or a prebate at a later time. When you are living paycheck to paycheck, more money in your pocket at the grocery store means more in that moment than $100 a few months later. Uh -huh. You know, it's interesting because uh, there's the food tax element and as you were listing the things in the bill and, and the things that were concerning to folks, I realized in some way we found a way to offend everyone. You know, and, 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 and it, you know, if you drive a car, offended. Uh, buy groceries, offended. Uh, you know, get income tax, maybe that helps you a little bit, depending on how that credit worked out for you. But literally, everyone was offended somehow. And I think that's the kind of marshalling that it would take. And that's what makes tax reform hard, mm -hmm. is because how we do it or how we move it or where you're, you know, how you're able to take money from one pocket and put it in the other and why that is such a tricky thing at the state level is very inside baseball and convincing somebody that that's important is a whole nother level when you think about how it impacts them and they say, well, that, that problem is nowhere near the inconvenience that I have here. I totally get that and I think though, and I'm grateful. Honestly, I think the referendum will make better policy. It will make us work harder to try and build support. There are a lot of things that will come out of it. I recognize the process issues and there's some of those things that, that we can get better. We still have to fix this budgetary problem. We still have a lot of money in income tax and we still have very little money for roads. And so how we solve those things, I'm hopeful, and this is what we find out at the legislature all the time. Anytime we try and be proactive, no one has our back one and and two legislative bodies when they're proactive nobody sees the fire right and so you can yell fire 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 and if the fire is 100 miles away not a problem but if the fire is on everybody's doorstep the roads are breaking down and we can't support teachers in classrooms or public employees and we can't keep our highway patrol on the road you go through all of those problems and mike then the legislature's question and this is this is a, a legitimate question for everybody how close does the fire need to be so that we will deal with the problem? Mm -hmm. 
So, so Nicole, the, the process going forward, I think we just have to have to talk about because um, the legislature has said this. I'm going to talk about uh, what they're going to do now, which is repeal yeah. uh, this law. I want to get that for a second. But uh, from the organizers that you've talked to, uh, are they going to keep going? I mean, because they've got their signatures, they can be validated. Is this be a situation like that SB 54, where maybe you negotiate something, a change has occurred, and you drop it? Well, I think that organizers of the referendum um, obviously want the signatures to still be counted and verified, and that might legally have to still be done yeah. um, until the legislature does repeal it. Uh, and they, the, the leadership has said they'll do that the first week of the session. Is there a problem with that? Like, I, I know people have said, well, you know, they're fighting to keep the signatures counted, and I, I don't understand. What's the problem with counting them? No, I don't think there is a problem, and I don't think Is anybody that, saying we shouldn't count them? No, and I think that, again, legally, they just have to, the county clerks yeah, okay. have to keep verifying well, them by that deadline. Well, how important is it, Des, that they keep counting there? Because there's still a little pressure on, right, uh, on our legislature right there. They have the signatures, yeah. they, they've got something they wanted, but... We've got a process in place. I think they need to continue on fulfilling that well, process. Well, it's just for the yeah. referendum folks, it's a trust but verify thing, you know? Yeah. The legislature says they'll repeal it, but we should keep <laughs> moving forward until yeah. that actually happens. Okay, let me just ask... And, so, Senator, you're talking about quoting Reagan. I feel like some excitement. Uh, how much pressure w were your colleagues and you feeling from the community on this before this repeal happened? This you know, it's interesting. Uh, I uh, and I've said this to you know town halls. We had town hall meetings before. Had town hall meetings afterwards. And I've told my constituents, like, if you want to sign it, great. By all means, like, I get it. It's tough. It's wonky. Very tax-heavy, uh, policy-oriented. Go ahead and sign it. I, like, I don't have a problem. It does. Doesn't from a, from me. It doesn't add any pressure to me or any concern to me. Uh, people say, well, that that you know, I've I've heard. Well, you know, we want to throw the bums out. Anybody that voted for it, we want to throw them out. I get that sentiment, and that is perfectly legitimate. W what I will say is, you know. Uh, the referendum is an important part of the process. My hat goes off to those guys because that is a heavy lift to get those kind of signatures and to put that kind of coordinated effort together. Um, I, I will say, and that's the problem with negotiating and why it's different from SB 54, is that SB 54 had uh, something different. It wasn't a grassroots element that has a thousand heads. In in this situation, when Natalie or when Nicole was uh, laying out the items that offended people, some on the left were offended. Some in the center were offended, and some on the right were offended. And they were all offended for different reasons. And the interesting element is, if you aim only at one of them, what do the other ones do? So there isn't really a negotiation or someone that you can have a negotiation with because they all have divergent interests. The one thing they agreed on, they don't like us. <laughs> or tax policy. <laughs> Last year when tax reform was brought up at the legislature in the HB 441, the, yeah. the public spoke and said, we don't like what, what that proposal was. The legislature heard that loud and clear, and then they went into this task reform task force process, and they spent, in most of those that, that I attended, they spent most of that time hearing complaints about the past proposal of HB yeah. 441, not proposals on, hey, we've got, some, uh, we've got a revenue problem in the general fund in order to be able to pay for fully pay for Medicaid expansion, um, be able to pay for all of the growth issues, transportation. It, there weren't a lot of creative ideas coming from the public or from, from those that wanted to poke holes in 441 as to how do we go solve this problem. No one wants to get taxed, right? N none of us want to say, hey, let me, let me go take an additional tax. Yeah. But we are the highest yeah. growth state in it, the country. If and you so do, we send me an email. Well, we we yeah. can find a way to get you, you more tax. find that person. Well, uh, let's get into a couple of the implications of that because it's not going to be easy going 
going forward for this session. Des, you, you've got a lot of clients you're always representing on the Hill, so you watch how this budget works. I want to read uh, a, a, a quote from uh, the, the governor, from the president of the Senate, and the speaker of the House, because this referendum had an impact. They're going to drop. Right, they're gonna repeal that bill. So I wanna talk about that language for just a second, get your kind of take on what's going to happen next, okay? This is from all three of them. Uh, in recent weeks, it has become clear that many people have strong concerns regarding legislation passed in December to restructure and revise our tax code. They express their concerns by signing a petition to include a referendum on the ballot this year. Repealing SB 2001 will enable the legislature to draft the budget without the uncertainty of a referendum potentially changing the tax code midway through the budget year. How big of a concern was this to our legislators? Because this referendum's on the table. How are they even going to appropriate funds during this legislative session? So they'll be able to appropriate funds. I mean, their primary job is, is to set a budget. Right. I mean, they look at that very seriously, and that is the primary role that they're that they're functioning outside outside of all the other bills that are being run. So what this does is they've got to take it off the table. Now, now that tax reform didn't uh, that they're pulling that back, they've got to set a budget. So they've got to have a dollar amount that they think in revenues that they're going to be able to set a budget off of. What this is going to do is it's going to tighten up those budgets that they were that they're looking at for this next year and say, I haven't got that additional revenue coming in from tax reform in order to create some more flexibility to deal with the growth pressures. With all those other issues that, that citizens really want to see solved and addressed, they're gonna be really conservative on their budgeting. Uh -huh. So this goes back to the way the law was before that bill was passed. Uh, Senator, I'm, I'm hearing from some people, some people are saying, wait, in the meantime, I've got a check coming. You know, I've got a, so a, a tax credit coming to me for food or my income tax. All well, that. and, that's, and, and isn't that the problem? I mean, the problem is uh, when we repeal this in the first week of the session, by the way, we have to do it because if we didn't, the checks would go out and, or, you know, the uh -huh. thing would be on, the budget is a mess if we don't do it otherwise. But, but that said, the expectations of what Utah is expecting will be just like it was last year. Unfortunately, that means that some people with more than two kids will pay additional taxes because the Trump Tax Cut and Jobs Act changes to the adjusted gross income, it will affect their, their taxes. So they will continue over this next year to have additional revenue or income withheld from their paychecks, which is a negative in my opinion. Um, and so that how we deal with that issue and how we deal with some of the others that are kind of low hanging fruit in this process, uh, that, that I think will be an interesting conversation as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. I want to keep talking about our legislative session. Uh, Nicole, you had a chance to have sort of an exclusive interview with the Speaker of the House. Talk about the legislative priorities for the year. Tell us what he said to you and maybe how this is going to give us a flavor for the session. Yeah, well, the first week of the session looks very different now than we thought it did a week ago with tax reform. Um, I think that will be the big thing in the first week of the session. You think it happens right away? Repeal that? immediately? Um, you tell me. <laughs> is that the first thing on the list? We gotta know. Uh, I would argue it would probably be on the floor the first day in one of the chambers. Yeah, they said they wanna repeal it the first week. Um, so we'll see that. But I think that growth has been an issue uh, for lawmakers and for leadership, especially the last few years. They're trying to deal with this booming population growth. We've talked about roads, we've talked about education funding, we've talked air quality. Um, and with tax reform being repealed, I think that's a challenge for lawmakers is like, like you talked about, 
about funding um, things like air quality and affordable housing. The money in the general fund is not going to be there like they thought it would um, with tax reform. Mm -hmm. and, and crafting the budget um, with uncertain numbers, you know, in light of the referendum really is what forced leaders hand on that, I think. Mm -hmm. So there will be some, the, the interesting dynamic here will be that their marketplace facilitator bill that they passed last year that started to collect online sales and remote sellers that had an online platform. There will be some additional revenue there, but they just barely have one month worth of revenue right. to be able to demonstrate. They can't project that for th for an entire year. All they have is October of 2019's revenue off of what those online sales produced. Now, many people thought, well, let's wait until we can see what that revenue looks like before we do tax reform. Now they're going to have to rely on, let's do our best projecting off of what, what we think we're going to capture from online sales. I mean, that's really at the core of why we're in this um, general fund um, tax problem and not having enough money in the general fund is that all of us as citizens have been loving buying things on the internet and not paying sales tax with it. Mm -hmm. And now that's starting to catch up and it probably isn't going to catch up enough for, uh, for the type of growth that we're facing. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, what are the bills that we see coming forward? Just big topics for this legislative session. Well, isn't that one of the, uh, so that's one of the hard parts about this session because tax reform has taken so much air in the room that it is, uh, if it's not taxes, and you know, growth is an important element, and tax is a symptom. Our problems with taxes are, are a symptom of, of the growth element. What is there? And and it's really interesting. I I've been involved in a couple of sessions where there wasn't a clear priority as you know, kind of going into the session, what the issues were going to be, and those were always the ones that were a little more like from the inside felt like a little more jungle ball. If you okay. remember that from basketball, uh, that's where guys end up with black eyes and it, it gets a little interesting. So. Yeah, it well, certainly it does. Years, it seems like we've had themes going into the legislative session. Last year it was the ballot initiatives and what are lawmakers yeah. going to do there fresh off the medical marijuana special session and also tax reform. Mm -hmm. um, before that it was also tax reform. Um, and, and like Senator McKay mentioned, uh, the, the announcement of repeal has just taken up so much oxygen. Um, and it doesn't feel like there is like a, a theme really going into mm -hmm. the session, but there are some interesting bills. Um, a lot of, it's an election year, 2020, so it seems like there are quite a few uh, message bills out there. Mm -hmm. um, there's that resolution um, to, to discourage changing um, mascots of Native That's Americans. That's true, yes. Uh, uh, and it's just a resolution. Um, I'm from, not gonna vote for that. <laughs> I wonder if that has a chance that you have, um, there's a, a rally this weekend yes. uh, by, organized by Native Americans against that resolution. Um, and there's interesting bill from Angela Romero about requiring religious uh, leaders and clergy to report when they hear about uh, child sex abuse. Very, uh, very controversial bill that's already getting a lot of attention. That could be a very interesting debate. So I think that growth is gonna be, the, uh, the, on the urban side, mm -hmm. is going to be the, the major driving force here. Mm -hmm. And then it's how can we help revitalize rural Utah that yeah. has seen economic depression? How can we get 
get some of the mm -hmm. economic activity and the population to go to areas in rural Utah to then, and so you'll see quite a bit of, of economic development incentives and um, revitalization of how we try and drive jobs to rural Utah. They can absorb that, they want it, yeah. and we need to, if the, if the state's gonna grow, we can't take that along the Wasatch Front and continue to aggravate um, the transportation and air quality issues all along the Wasatch yeah, Front. The other issue that is percolating, you know, as I hear you, I think about the other one that's a bipartisan issue that you you heard a lot kind of at the end of the last legislative session are concerns about, you know, vaping products. And, you know, you've, you've seen, you know, get rid of the impeachment, it's it's a federal issue as well. I mean, the federal government is debating with these these same elements, and so now you have on a statewide level, we're trying to address, you know, what kind of retailers, who should be selling them, how are we age verifying, how are we doing, you know, last last session we met all smoking, uh, you know, 21 and older, and that included vape products. And so that was done, you know, close to the end of the session, and now I hear, bipartisan-wise, I hear a lot of pressure on, we need to change the way these vape the vape industry is entering and participating in commerce in Utah because it really isn't being done well to protect our kids. Even the federal government is weighing in on yeah. this one, as it turns out, through Mitt Romney. Uh, one, one final thing before we leave the session, something that Des brought up, this, this, uh, these growth issues and the, issue, uh, the things surrounding that. In Nicole's interview, the, the speaker even talked about housing affordability and even air quality. Mm -hmm. Those are interesting issues to be being discussed. Is that something the legislature can weigh in on, Des? They can, and they have done um, dramatically, actually, in, in years past. I was heavily involved in helping create the incentive to get tier three fuels here. Mm -hmm. um, and and w interestingly enough, with all of the growth in population, you're gonna continue over the next few years to see air quality improve and the emissions go down, particularly for mobile sources because of matching up tier three fuels with okay. newer tier three vehicles. Maybe explain what tier three fuels are. So quickly. tier three fuel is a low sulfur fuel, 10 parts per million fuel um, that, uh, uh, a few of the refineries uh, here in, the, in, in Utah have, have committed and are producing. So um, Marathon Refinery, Chevron Refinery, and then, um, and then Sinclair have all committed to be producing and yeah. selling those fuels. And match that up with a 2017 vehicle or newer and it reduces down that, the emissions coming out of that tailpipe by 80%. And that's, the, I've heard the governor's statistics, that is take, that's like taking four out of five cars off the yeah. road from their emissions. So all of us, if we can, to upgrade our vehicle, you don't have to go buy a brand new vehicle, but if you're going to upgrade your vehicle, um, I sound like I work for the auto <laughs> dealers and I don't, they're not clients of mine, but um, uh, it, would, it, would, it would make a major step forward in doing a, a, a small part. And My, even on older cars, it has on a older corresponding cars, it's impact. About a 10%, it's about a 10% um, improvement. Des, is there a way for consumers to know, because I agree, this is probably one of the biggest game-changing elements we have, and it's gonna take time for it to have the maximum effect for tier three fuels. Like I said, it's 2017 and newer vehicles, right? Um, you know, I need to go buy a new car, thanks Des. Um, but, I'm doing the same thing, I'm trying yeah, yeah. to upgrade my... Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I think the question is, how do consumers find out which gas pumps have tier three and which ones don't? So I can, um, I, um, Representative Suzanne Harrison mm -hmm. um, announced yesterday that, that there's a, uh, a, a, she started a website. A website very she started a website right. yeah, on her own. Um, tier, what is it? I, I can't remember the URL. I, tier, I don't remember the URL. I, was, either, I put the ball on tier three. I was hoping I think tier three fuels dot org. I think is like what that. sticks in my. Yeah. Is the, it's not that. It should be. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there's that resource. But I will tell you that. 
Um, Chevron stations, Texaco stations, uh, the Speedway is tied with Marathon, yeah. Exxon yeah. and Shell stations, and yeah. then Sinclair stations. I know those branded stations will have that available for the public. And I've been trying to uh, work with Costco to try and make Costco to make the changes as well, because I think there are a lot of people that are using Costco and, and those kinds of things. So it, it, I think yeah. with the growth issue with this, the, 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 the challenge will be for the next five to seven years, you're going to see your mobile emissions drop because of things that that are happening technologically but we're not changing our our patterns we're not yes. using transit more we're not using active transportation getting on a bike and figure out how do i walk or ride a bike the first mile yeah. or last mile and get to transit and change our patterns in in five to seven years as the population goes up we will we need that five to seven years to change our travel patterns and be able to change some of the other things otherwise that our air quality will begin to degrade well, the again. governor's proposed budget aims to help move that along a little bit he he asked for a hundred million to expand transit and to expand the charging network for electric vehicles around the state and so um, the legislature funded 28 29 million mm -hmm. in air quality uh, appropriations last year um, we'll see how much they do this year I'm told the website is tier3gas.org okay. which by the Check way does not come out of income tax so as a result it's in that, those kind those kinds of funds come out of the funds that we don't have money in the so general fund, yeah which is so, which is lagging. Which is tough, right? So that, that's all I, I will okay. just, that's the last tax reform okay. element. We, we got that, that element. Let me do a couple of quick uh, issues that people are watching closely to. New polling out on our governor's race. Oh. We've been following those closely. I want, I want to get your first reaction to this. Mostly this is, about, this is a Utah policy poll. Among Republicans, uh, John Huntsman, 32%, Spencer Cox, 28 Rob Bishop, 8 Jeff Birmingham six, Greg Hughes two, Jeff Wright, uh, Tom Wright three, uh, Amy Winter Newton one, and don't know 19%. Any surprises and kind of that move up for Governor John Huntsman? Des? Look, Governor Huntsman's been out working really hard to um, to let people know that he's back in the race. So that doesn't surprise me at all that that the numbers. Uh, have dramatically come up. That poll seems like a direct reflection of name ID in yeah. this race. Yeah. Yeah. Probably this early it is. Yeah. It's consistent, by the way. I know everybody's seeing Huntsman now percolating to the top, but that number is really close to his earlier number. So as I've seen in earlier polls, I've seen this with the Salt Lake County, with the Salt Lake City Mayor's race this last time. We saw that we had a front runner, a clear front runner. Everybody saw there was a poll of 40% and everybody was talking about who's going to be in second place. Right, and then yeah. the, the, day, the primary night when results are announced, you know, one mayoral candidate who was polling really highly realized, oh, uh, I, I might not be there in November uh -huh. on the ballot, right? So I, the interesting element, and this is, I, I've seen this in early polling, where if uh, in this situation, uh, John Huntsman Jr. is pretty consistent, kind of staying right where he is. Everybody knows where his kind of supporters are and that kind of thing. And I've always seen that as a cap. Right, so that's a cap, and the question will be: Can any of the others below fight to pull yeah. uh, anything away from Spencer and/or John Huntsman to put put themselves into that relevant category? Someone is going to win this race with around 25 percent of the electorate, the, the primary results. Mm -hmm. uh, one last topic. Uh, so, Nicole, uh, many of us, I know, we're watching the impeachment proceedings. Tell us uh, how that's being perceived right now by Utahns and where their opinions are going on what should happen next. Well, Utahns are really split and have been mm -hmm. for a while now on impeachment. Um, 
These are very long hearings. I'm sure that most working Utahns are not spending 12 hours a day listening and plugged in. Um, we're in op opening arguments still. I think what people will want to be interested to see is when we get to talking about uh, bringing additional witnesses in and how, uh, especially Mitt Romney and other yeah. Republican senators go okay. on that. I know we're gonna watch that one closely. We'll talk more later. Thank you for your comments today. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of The Hinkley Report. If you like listening to the experts talking about the issues, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.